Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you today and bring you yet another fantastic interview with a guest. Speaking of, joining us right now is Elijah Schaefer. He has a fantastic television program on the Blaze TV called You Are Here. And he's hosts the podcast Slightly Offensive. He's also a reporter. And he's written a piece that we're going to get into here in just a minute over at theblaze.com. Um, Elijah, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me and a good afternoon to all of your audience. So it is a good afternoon, especially when we can get someone from The Blaze, one of my favorite places to go online for all kinds of content. And I wanted to first, before we even get into talking about Cuomo today um, and his resignation, you have this podcast called Slightly Offensive, and the I has a, um, amp- well, no, it's an asterisk. Um, so it's with Elijah Schaefer. So is it that you're using a lot of profanity, or is it that you're actually tackling topics that are quote-unquote offensive? Um, you know, actually, the truth is, is that a few years ago, before internet censorship came out, I realized that even describing something might become uh, illegal online. So I started self-censoring my show before it even became necessary to do so. And I, I did it as a joke, but it, it turns out I could not have predicted how bad things could have gotten. And I sort of predicted that even describing something accurately, basically because the truth is offensive, if you were going to speak the truth, you're going to have to censor it. And it turns out, unfortunately for us, that happened a couple years ahead of schedule and we're here in the United States with a constitution, with, with the Bill of Rights, with free speech, but unable to practice that online and or anywhere else, pretty much for that matter, as you know. Yeah. And and so, you know, the, it's funny that you were self-censoring. I find myself doing it, too. It's not even that I think I shouldn't post this. I just post certain things in certain places, right? I, I feel safer posting this over there. I feel safer posting that over there. I've even noticed that when I'm typing things out, um, sometimes on Twitter, I'm editing myself as opposed to just posting my unfiltered thoughts. This is because of what's happened all over the internet. And we just saw it today with Marjorie Taylor Greene being suspended from Twitter. And this is her fourth strike. So they're saying if she violates their policies again, she will be banned from Twitter like President Trump. But what's so interesting about that is all she posted was that she doesn't think the vaccine should be approved by the FDA. Yeah, and I think the key word they use is the vaccines are failing and I mean, I guess that would be newspeak whether or not you would agree that that term is scientifically accurate. You know, I, my background is in genetic engineering and molecular biology, and that's what I went to school for. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty well versed in immunology and understand mRNA technology, understand vaccine delivery systems, and, and a lot about COVID as well. And I mean, you know, while perhaps somebody who's not trained using the word failing might not be the best word. When you have to give multiple, you know, booster shots coming up to meet variants, when there's uh, problems with with massive rates of infection, with hospitalization, with transmission, uh, I mean, you could say either it's failing or maybe you just give it a D minus. Maybe that's what they're trying to say. You know, it hasn't failed yet, but it's not really working that well. Um, but unfortunately, you know, her politics are wrong. The left does not like her. You know, satanic people don't like her because she's an outspoken Christian. And unfortunately for her, she has to live on a different set of rules than everyone else around her, and she'll be held to a much higher standard, and that's what we're seeing. So 
I love what you said there about the much higher standard, because in my tweets, just, you know, like a few minutes ago, I sent out one, basically, I saw her name trending on Twitter, I clicked through to find out what they're, you know, what she done now, what she said, I read the tweet, I actually agree with the tweet 100%, because we used to have a definition, and you have this amazing educational background, where you can kind of speak to this far better than any of us regular lay people can, but I'm old enough to be able to say I was vaccinated for polio, MMR, things that it meant I got a little bit of the virus in me. My body then created antibodies for it. And the sign that I am successfully inoculated is I don't actually catch that disease. Like I don't catch it. Um, Now, when you have therapies, things that help you to manage an infection should you encounter it. That's not the traditional inoculation that a lot of us as Americans have come to expect when you get a shot. And that's the way it was sold to us. This vaccine was sold to us as something that would prevent the spread of COVID-19. Now, it not only is it not preventing it, people are catching it. They're able to spread it. They have the same viral load. Now they need additional boosters. It does feel as if this has kind of failed. You know, I would agree with you. I mean, we're talking about viral mutagenesis, right? Just talking about the progression of mutations within a, a given subset. I mean, viruses are not alive. For the most part, if your viewers aren't familiar, they're essentially a protein coat filled with, uh, you know, some sort of a nucleic acid or, or a genetic material. You know, might be more familiar with DNA more than RNA, um, that, which we all have in our cells. And they, you know, they infect and attach themselves to whatever the host cell is, our cell. They end up injecting their material using our machinery to replicate themselves. They burst out of the cell and then they infect other cells and then they can transmit to other hosts, you know, either touch or, or or whatever. And so we know how viruses work. We understand their size. We, we understand everything about them. But we're not using science with, with COVID-19 here at all. I mean, uh, with the masks, uh, you know, even Dr. Fauci couldn't keep a, a narrative straight on that. And while masks are definitely helpful in some instances, and for years of my life in my job, I wore a mask voluntarily uh, to prevent bacterial infection or transfer of spit. I mean, you know, when you're talking about the movement of this of this particle, everything we've tried to combat it is simply not working because this is not the way that you would fight a virus. These are respiratory infection viruses this is something that's going to be in the population probably for the rest of humanity. And I would say, though I'm sure I'll get fact-checked on this, uh, you know, the rollout of an experimental therapy could is going to lead to long-term side effects, perhaps some of which may be new variants developing at a rapid rate that may be less deadly but more infectious. And as you go around and you look at this, you know, we just have not done something like this before in, in history. And since the narrative has changed from get the vaccine so that you save your life to get it so you don't lose your job and you're a good person, it makes you wonder whether this is really science or this is just simply a mix of tyrannical politics mixed with social pressure to conform to norms and control. Because obviously, if it, if it was beneficial in the way they're saying, I don't think there would really be any hesitancy on a large scale where we're seeing about half the population in most U.S. states not wanting to actually get it at all. So oh, I, can, I can't agree with you more on what you just said there, because they're, they're, when, you, when you start touching on the idea that we're, um, we're being coerced into it, that, that was kind of when I shut down because I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I, I'm, you know, on my time in the military, I was kind of ingrained and trained into me. 
every year you get the flu shot. There, it's not a question. It's here's the flu shot day. And every one of us airmen and, you know, on, on up the chain, we'd stand there and get our flu shot. And if you didn't feel well, your boss at work would say, go home, sleep it off. You know, call me tonight. Let me know how you're doing. I'll give you another day if you need it. But most of us didn't have any reactions at all. No side effects. Nobody dropped dead. Nobody developed, um, you know, Gillian Barr or whatever, whatever that's called. Like, no, nobody had anything wrong with them. Um, with this, the adverse reactions are being dismissed. Uh, concerns, parents whose children are now in wheelchairs, they're being, well, you don't know if that's what happened to you or that's just one child. We're being treated as if we're unable to think through to a logical conclusion. And as you said, these variants are very contagious, but they're not deadly. So you catch it, you have to suffer a bit, and then you recover. And not everyone's catching the variants. I mean, I'm, I'm, fortunate enough to be in a, a group of people that we know that we spend a lot of time with where very few people within that enormous group have actually had COVID-19. Um, and those who have have not been to the hospital. And we're talking about older people in this group, some some who are you know slightly overweight, but m- people who clearly have access to medical care and could have gone to the doctor if they needed to and just didn't need to. So the narrative here is being disproven on a daily basis, which is what's strengthening the resolve of people to resist the coercion. Yeah, and you know, being that I'm a I'm a certified fact checker for the Blaze, and the sad part is that we have to even have those today. Um, I would say I'm more of a counter fact checker. I, I spend a lot of my time fact checking the fact checkers who are often bought out by the companies they claim to be, you know, checking the facts for, uh, like big pharmacy companies and vaccine companies like Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson funding the fact-checking of vaccine research. But uh, that, that aside and the credentials aside, you know, I've, I've done extensive investigations and research into a lot of recent, uh, you know, um, infections. And when I look at a few recent cases that I've looked into, you know, there was, a, uh, there was an older woman, about 65, in California that I know that, that was listed as died of the Delta variant. You know, when I, when I looked into her death and when I spoke to family members directly, it turned out that she had a respiratory issue that was causing low oxygen levels, and she was eating in her bed and choked on her food, which constricted her airways, and she was unable to get oxygen into her body and had her oxygen turned off while, while, while eating, and she died from asphyxiation from her food, but of course it was counted as a death from Delta variant, and even though there was no testing or sequencing done to prove it was a variant. Also, in a more anecdotal sense, my family um, and friends are natively from California. I have a pretty equal social circle in Texas and California. I know of at least 20 people in Los Angeles area and, you know, west side Orange County that have contracted what has shown up through rapid antigen testing to be COVID. I know of only one person in Texas. And, you know, that area has the strongest compliance with mask mandates, with the anti-social, I mean, with social distancing, anti-congregation. And that's where I see the greatest outbreak. So, you know, without even needing to be a scientist, if I see that there's the greatest outbreak around people who are the most compliant with masks, the greatest precautionary measures taken with sanitation, et cetera, maybe just maybe the, the steps that we're taking to defend against this aren't scientifically the best approach. And I know that's like no-brainer for a lot of people, which is why they're not taking this. And that's what the pro-vaccination crowd doesn't understand, is that the people not taking the vaccine are not anti-vaxxers. They're not against science. They're not pseudoscience, you know. I, and I say, I'm a, as a God-fearing man, they're not just put it all in God's hands type of people. These are people who are evidentiary-based, like myself, individuals, who need to see reasons and proof and validation of why I should do something with my body. And quite frankly, when I look at this, I have not been convinced by the compounding evidence by any means that this is something that I should do. 
And you can call me stupid or uneducated. I have the education. I have the intellectual capacity. I have the work experience. I have the exposure, the job application, the research. And what, who am I then? What is my excuse to not be taking this well? It's because I'm not giving in to pressure. I'm not likely to give in to pressure. And what you're finding now is basically that the majority of people that I've spoken to specifically that are now getting the vaccine or have gotten it recently are simply getting it out of fear of losing their job, out of fear of being rejected from their social circles, pressure from their friends, or rejection from their family. And I know that because I myself am not even allowed in my sister's home simply because I have chosen not to have the vaccine, ignoring the fact that I've had COVID, that science proves that I likely have a higher immunity to the disease, to the infection, because of my natural immunity from previous infection. And to prove, your, prove the point, I was around a large group of people who all came down with COVID. The only two people in the group that did not contract COVID was myself and another friend who were previously infected with COVID last year. So, you know, I mean, you know, evidence, evidence there, anecdotal, scientific, what it's showing us is that this approach is wrong. And as we're seeing with vaccine passports, in France, uh, you know, being policed, as we're seeing with air raids and, and helicopters being used to spy on and force people inside of Sydney, Australia, with things being used, you know, throughout all of history, the Patriot Act in 9-11 being used, using a terrorist attack to spy on their people for an extended period of time, etc. You know, the, the Christchurch attack in New Zealand being used to strip citizens of guns. Don't forget that the, the Nazis use the fear of spreading infection and disease as one of the benefiting factors of needing to round up the Jews. I just want to remind people of that, that you, the fear of pandemics was one of the, the constricting factors in spreading fear about Jews. And we're seeing the same history repeat itself today. And I don't know about you, but, you know, this is the hill I'm going to die on. Me too. And and we're when you when you mentioned that, I read through they have online you can find them. Uh there's a few really good ones. It's like a timeline from the very first moment when they were beginning the campaign to crystallize an otherness about Jewish people who were well integrated into life in Germany. They were not just, you know, working in certain sectors or they didn't just have certain communities where they lived. They were teaching, they were lawyers, they were business owners, they employed other Germans who were their, literally their neighbors, their children went to school together, and they had to remove them from being a part of society. And one of the things that they did, and, it, and you're, you've, you've described it so well, in order to other them, they had to cause people to fear them. And in order to ha- cause people to fear them, they had to pick something that people were genuinely afraid of. And pandemics is one. Also, the idea that the Jewish people were stealing, that they were somehow doing well because they'd stolen opportunities and wealth and, and money from Germans. And that they had to cause children to see them as almost monster-like characters. Children would chase Jewish people down the street at one point, And that was a part of getting the populace ready to round these people up and remove them. They couldn't do it if they were seen as their neighbor, their friend, their child's best friend, that type of thing. You mentioned um, when you were describing, you know, obviously it's anecdotal, but it means something because we believe what we know more than we believe, you know, scientific data, especially when, as you have described, fact checkers only check one side. They don't, they, they never check Brielle Keelar over at CNN, who lies incessantly, but they just fact checked Marjorie Taylor Greene and suspended her. You mentioned that someone had COVID. How do we know, you know, as, as an American, we're listening to them talking about the Delta variant. Did they develop an additional test for the Delta variant? Or how do we know if you have regular COVID or if you have had the Delta variant? Okay, so in order to just 
protect myself legally here because that's where we've gotten to as a country that you can't just blatantly speak the truth without giving proclivities or, or forewarning uh, an addendum. <laughs> True. I, it, it, it's insane, by the way. But, you know, there is debate, and I've read many studies. There's a lot of studies that refer to sequencing COVID-19 or SARS-2, as many people call it, COVID-2. Um, there's also many articles that would reject that we've sequenced it fully. Um, you know, when I'm looking at what's peer-reviewed and what's not and who funds the research, it becomes very murky on what research that I can trust as being reliable. So I don't want to allude to that. I'll just say that it's, it's very confusing, even as someone who understands the language terminology and is very familiar with the peer review process. For those who don't understand me, the consensus of the um, discipline to come together and to objectively approve what is true and not scientifically. Uh, it, you know, it's so hard to know what's influenced by politics and money and what's genuine. But I will say that um, for, for those who say that the vaccines have nothing to do with the development of new variants, as they're saying, it's funny how we only had primarily the alpha variant, and as we introduced the vaccines into the population, suddenly we have the you know, proliferation of the beta and the delta and the lambda and eventually gamma, et cetera. So all of a sudden we've hyper warp speeded the vaccines. We have a warp speed of delta or of variant production. All that I believe that they're doing is mainly looking at the deterioration rate of uh, alveolar or lung tissue in, in the body and seeing the degeneration of the tissue to see that the delta variant often has a quick uh, and very fast kind of side effect. You don't experience much at all. They're allergy-like symptoms or you see a quick attack of the lungs specifically, which can cause you to go to low oxygen levels and cardiac arrest. I am, albeit admit, I'm still unclear if there's an accurate understanding of sequencing this. There's a, there's a statement of saying, and by sequencing, I mean, were they actually able to extract the genetic material, code it out, get it onto a computer, and confirm that it's a different variant than the other one, essentially like a different marker. Um, it's very confusing if they've actually successfully done that. So there are reports in the United States Department of Health and the NIH are taking random samples from hospitals and are actually doing genetic testing to see out of a statistical analysis if there's a specific amount of those of those tests that show a certain variant. But, it, again, you know, it's hard to trust any institution in the United States right now, even as someone who once would die on the hill for science. It's hard to trust any bureaucrat or scientist because what I've been finding personally is friends that I know. These are physicians. These are well-respected doctors. These are scientists, PhD applicants uh, that have any conflicting narrative to the current narrative are being muzzled, are being silenced, having their grants blocked. Even the former director of the NIH saying that he had, or CDC, I mean, saying that he had issue with, you know, when he, when he conflicted the government narrative, how he was treated partially and persecuted. Right now, we're not seeing any love or need for science. And I want to bring up this example. You know, we learned in our history books. You know, when Copernicus or some of these old scientists, Galileo and people, you know, were pioneering, you know, the Enlightenment, pre-Enlightenment, post-Enlightenment, some of these, these, these disciplines of science. And we praise them, right, for developing uh, the theories of gravity and, and, and relativity. And we go, wow, these are so, so great people for a few hundred years. They just worked on these things. You know, what they came out of during their time was, was a moment where the Catholic Church would literally kill them for questioning the narrative of, of the Church therefore the theocratic government. And the government was wrong. They were incorrect through experimentation, through, through testing and design. We were able to understand that, you know, the per not that Christianity was wrong, not that God was wrong, but that 
humans are corrupt and that sometimes humans abuse their power and they abuse that, that, that togetherness to oppress people. And, you know, the, the Catholic Church, you know, has a lot of people are going to go to heaven because of finding God through there. And then, you know, they've done some horrible things throughout the years, too. One of those things was suppressing scientific discovery and persecuting those who told the truth. And we laugh at it now in our science books, like, oh, what dumb pleb, you know, and all these atheists and agnostics go, ah, oh, these religious folk, how dare they suppress the truth? Unfortunately, today, there's no greater purveyor of suppressing scientific truth than the agnostic atheist scientific community, which has rejected all evidence and testing, you know, in accordance with scientific discipline to receive only government sanctioned data. And there was a time when I studied science where we didn't really trust the CDC the NIH, because we knew they were bureaucrats in the government, and we would do independent research to private companies. We're way past that now. We've lost the, the love for truth, and that's a result of our cultural decay and our lack of belief or even acceptance that the truth matters anymore. Yeah, I, I see that a lot online, and I know that Twitter doesn't accurately refle- reflect the entire population, but I do hear, I read things on Twitter that some loon with 33 followers are saying, and then I'll hear someone say it in real life. I'll literally hear someone say the same exact words. So I know that it's stuff that's being parroted on CNN that people are swallowing whole cloth. And the other thing is how prevalent CNN is everywhere. It's not just in the airports. It's not just in, you know, uh, some of the places that you would go to that are public spaces, like, you know, maybe urgent care. We were in the tiny little waiting room for pre-op with our son for surgery about a week ago, and CNN was blasting on the teeny tiny television. I had to get up and turn it off because it felt like it was a demonic impression that was entering the room with all the lies that were being spewed out. And we're trying to get ready for our son to go in for this major big deal. So I, I, I think when you say you know there's a general lack of caring for the truth, if you listen to lies a lot like if you if that's your primary mode of getting information you will then absolutely be averse to the truth and you'll be triggered by it and you'll want to punish people who are saying it um so it's a pretty amazing development i i'd actually intended to ask you about cuomo resigning today do do you want to issue a quick pithy statement on that cuz elijah it's been so great to talk to you and i had no idea about your educational background it's so nice to have an expert to talk to i really appreciate it uh, legal disclaimer included <laughs> Yeah, you know, and a legal disclaimer, I'm not an expert at anything, and neither is any man. Expert is a social construct that has been decided, just like they say gender is, to make you trust people more than you should. You should doubt everybody, including myself and your lovely host, who's here today, question everything that is said at all times and counter it against other voices. That's how we stay uh, smart. And just quickly on Cuomo, um, the, the the man is not any more corrupt than any of his colleagues. And unfortunately, it took, you know, over 79,000 pieces of our articles to finally cause him to resign. But it was even done on a day to strategically distract from the infrastructure bill that was being released that even deletes gender from our government language. So even in the midst of going down, he's still causing the institutions of the far left to rise. We are fighting the most corrupt regime in American history. And unless we are willing to do what it takes to fight where it goes, you're already going to lose your job if you don't take the vaccine. You can lose your ability to go into restaurants. We are fighting a very, very powerful group of people who hate God, hate you, and hate the American founding principles, and don't get distracted with Cuomo's resignation. It was just, but of course, they're going to still use it to, to, to move their end goal. So let's just continue to fight the good fight of faith that's been entrusted to us as soldiers 
of Christ, and for those who don't believe in Christ, at least as people who believe in the morality and the goodness of humanity. Amen to that. I love it. And I'm so glad you had time for us today, Elijah Schaefer, reporter, host of the podcast, Slightly Offensive, and the Blaze TV host of You Are Here. Uh, one of my new favorites. Thank you so much for coming on today and for providing commentary and expertise and um, the opportunity to just have a great conversation. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being on here. And to your audience, feel free to check out my channels and uh, have a great rest of the day. All right, you too. Okay, so, uh, you know, I, I love it when someone has um, that godly perspective that he just added into our program today. And and um, that is the most important thing when we're considering what we're doing about getting vaccinated, because I know plenty of Christians who've gotten vaccinated, so it's not that. But it is about the application of what they're doing and the tyranny that we're seeing rising up. So um, let, let's, let's be mindful of that as we're having these conversations and just to give glory to God that we still have young people like Elijah out there telling the truth and being very informed and informing others. That is fantastic. Um, I also want to give you some information here. We have a wonderful advertiser here. It is the Alliance for Shared Health. Take a listen. Are you looking for an affordable health care option? Are you upset by the health insurance options offered by the ACA? Head over to StacyOnTheRight.com and click the banner ad for the Alliance for Shared Health to sign up for health sharing. ASH is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. As a member, you share in the financial burden of health care expenses, including needs sharing for critical illnesses, accidents, dental, and vision. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up your prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order lab and imaging tests at discounts of up to 80%. Open enrollment is now. Don't miss out on the chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of others who share your values. Reach out to Ash today. Head over to StacyOnTheRight.com, click the banner ad, and sign up now. That's StacyOnTheRight.com. Click the banner ad and start sharing and saving today. Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives. And that's the show for today. Thank you so much for being with us. And find out more at StacyOnTheRoad.com and FamilyVisionMedia.org. So glad to be with you. We'll see you again soon.